You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. Well, welcome back to our Christmas series entitled The Promise Fulfilled. It's Christmas Eve 2017. Are you here? It's Christmas Eve 2017. And as we celebrate Christmas tonight, midnight, right? Did you ever wonder why we say Merry Christmas? Did you ever wonder why? In fact, in fact, why is Christmas merry when no other occasion seems to be merry, right? Did you ever ask that question? You don't say Merry Birthday, right? Merry Birthday to you. Merry Birthday to you. You don't say that, right? You don't. You don't say Merry Anniversary. Merry 50th Anniversary. You don't say that. Did you ever wonder why? That's just me. I actually wondered, you know, for so long that I have never understood why they say Merry Christmas. So, finally, I said I'm going to research for your sake today on the eve of 2017. We're going to do it, okay? I, I saw an article and it says here, Historians and linguists cannot pinpoint for sure exactly why we tend to use Merry Christmas. Okay? The greeting, however, uh, dates back in 1534 in London when it was written in a letter sent to Henry VIII's chief minister, Thomas Cromwell, from Bishop John Fisher. And scholars also know the phrase was used in the 16th century English carol, we wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you. Yeah, that's why, that's why we get Merry. Okay, but Merry, Merry Christmas certainly uh, became popular in 1843. Ah, you were never born yet, right? Ever. Not all of us, right? But, but the thing is, um, despite its, its popularity in the United States, it was not universally accepted, especially in London. I don't know why, but Queen Elizabeth basically wanted to greet her fellow citizens, the British community, a happy Christmas. She would say, happy Christmas and not Merry Christmas. An amazing part of this is that there were rumors spreading around. The reason why she didn't want Merry Christmas was because Mary has something to do with being intoxicated, being drunk, and having a feast. So, you know, merry-making. That's why they never ever in London, in Britain, they never said Merry Christmas, only Happy Christmas. But if you look at this theory between Happy and Merry, the early church leaders in Great Britain may have encouraged the Christians okay, to be happy rather than engage in merrymaking. So it is more of a conservative say when you say Happy Christmas. It's conservative. But Mary has something to do with emotional, unrestrained celebration. That's what it is. So if you are a Christian today, all right, if you are a Christian today, and you know and you know that Christmas is about Jesus Christ being born today, it ought to have this jubilation, this joy, this uncontainable joy, this unspeakable joy. So when you greet each other, Merry Christmas, it should be really merry. merry. Amen? 
We are now at the end of our series, our Christmas series called The Promise Fulfilled. Now, if this is your first time to join us, we have been going through uh, the Gospel of Luke, and there were actually songs written in the Gospel of Luke that we're looking at and understanding why these people actually wrote these worship songs to God, all right? In week one, let me just show you, we talked about the Magnificat. You all know the Magnificat, right? How many of you were here? Yeah, thank you. Week two, <laughs> now, Magnificat is actually Mary's song. Week two, we talked about Benedictus. There we go. It is the song of Zechariah. And last week, we talked about Gloria, the song of angels. And today, we will talk about this song called Nung Dimitis. All right. Uh, it means, now you dismiss. Okay, it's a song. Now you dismiss. It's a, it's a song. I don't know why, but it is a song made by our early church fathers. Amen. So if you are ready, are you ready? I want you to stand up and open your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, verse 29 to verse 32. Verse 29 says there, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Let's bow down our heads and pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord God, that as we end this series about these wonderful songs written for a purpose, Lord, I pray that you will open our hearts tonight or today. Lord, we want to receive a clear revelation of your scriptures. Lord, help us. Bless your people, Lord God. And bless the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Before I dive into the, the preaching of the word, please allow me to preach this in four parts. Okay? First of all, we're going to talk about the story. Everybody say story. You know that in all songs, we have a story. I mean, songs are made because they have a story to tell us. So we're going to talk about the story first. Second, we'll talk about the song itself. Third, we'll talk about the significance of this song. And fourth, the last thing we're going to do, we will actually understand what should be our response. Amen? So four parts lang tayo tonight. Okay? First of all, let's talk about the story. Now, we left off last week. If you were here last week, we left off with the story about the shepherds who heard the promise of God fulfilled through the angel. Remember the angel? The multitude of angels that announced. That's why we have this Gloria, right? It is announcing that Jesus Christ is born. And now say that glory to God in the highest and peace on earth and goodwill to men. That was the announcement of the angel. And the shepherds heard this and they, were, they, they went right away immediately to look at and see the Savior in a manger. We all know the story, right? Now, these shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all that they have heard and that they have seen. The shepherds were actually rejoicing when they heard the news. And after that, Joseph and Mary, right at the end of the eighth day of Jesus, I mean the uh, eighth day uh, of Jesus, what they did, they circumcised Jesus. He was, he was actually named Jesus or the Messiah or the Christ. Okay? This was done actually to fulfill what, the, what, what Jesus was saying, I did not come here to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. You remember this preaching before? 
Even as a baby, Jesus on the eighth day was circumcised according to the law of Moses. So in other words, Jesus was there never ever to abolish God's law, but he was there to fulfill it. In fact, when he was 40 days old, what happened was he was presented to the temple. Remember the story? So Joseph and Mary brought Jesus to the temple for purification according to the law of Moses. They brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Now, you need to understand that purification rites are for sinners. And if you know the story about Jesus, Jesus had no sin, right? But yet, but yet, according to scriptures, according to the law of God, he was still presented to the temple for purification. It's quite interesting because that meant that even if Jesus was not a sinner, Jesus already, even when he was still a baby, identified with sinners. That's why in Luke, it says there, it was written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. So in other words, all the, all the firstborn male were presented to God to be holy unto God, meaning they are actually um, um, given for a purpose of God. And to offer a sacrifice, what happened was Joseph and Mary offered the doves. Remember that? The turtle doves or the two young pigeons. Okay? They were not as wealthy because they could have actually um, killed a lamb or sacrificed a lamb, but they were not as wealthy as we expect them to be. But they were actually poor. So this is where our story begins. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now, Simeon may have known there, there were rumors of something happening regarding this uh, Messiah that was about to come. He probably heard the story of Mary. Remember Mary, right? The song of Mary. He probably heard the story of Zechariah, right? John the Baptist and all of that. And recently, he probably heard the shepherds. If you know the shepherds, they were the ones keeping the temple flock. The temple flock were actually the sheep or the lambs that were that was supposed to be slaughtered for sacrifice. So he probably heard this, but Scripture tells us it was not about a rumor. In other words, Simeon heard this through the Holy Spirit, through the Spirit of God. It was not a rumor at all. In fact, in verse 26, it, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death, before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Simeon was a man who knew how to be led by the Holy Spirit on two occasions. First, he heard God's promise. And second, he was actually able to be prompted by the Holy Spirit to go at the right time. Okay? Simeon could have been old because the promise for this guy was that he will not die until he sees the Savior, right? So he could have been really, really old already. But the good thing about Simeon that the, the Bible described that he was a righteous and a devout man. It's quite interesting that people like Simeon who has, who has remained faithful, righteous, and devoted to God is given a special honor. It's really interesting. He was given the honor of seeing the Messiah. In fact, holding the Messiah. That was the special thing that Simeon had. 
In verse 27, it says there, And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, what happened? He took him up in his arms and blessed God and said the song that we're singing right now. The Nun Dimitis took Jesus up in his arms. So Simeon's prophecy is finally fulfilled right before his very eyes. He hardly knows Jesus except that this Jesus was a baby. He was 40 days old. But he was filled with so much love and affection for our Savior. He's seeing it. Finally, it was happening before his eyes. He was finally holding a mighty, glorious God in his arms. Think about the honor of having that. Something that we can actually treasure in our hearts today. And then Simeon uttered these words that actually will echo through centuries, even in our church history today. Even in fact, today, we are actually listening to what Simeon is saying. Let's look at the song. What does the song really reveal to us? What are the lessons we can learn from this song? Let's look at it. In verse 29, it says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. You see, what we learn from Scripture is that Simeon faithfully served God. He was a servant all his life. He served God faithfully, he served God righteously, and he was devoted to God. And now he says, I'm ready to go. In other words, he was ready to die. Why? Remember that, that there was a promise that God gave him that the Holy Spirit revealed to him that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord Jesus Christ. Simeon uttered this powerful phrase, and I want you to really hear this. He says, according to your word. Everybody say that with me. According to your word. Think about that. The very lesson we could learn from this song is that what God promises, He fulfills. Simeon mentions that he could finally depart peacefully because according to God's word, it was fulfilled. It means that God's word, His promises, the 5,467 promises that's written in this book, everything that is written in the Bible, according to God's word, it will be fulfilled. Now, here's the tension. Sometimes, when we look at Bible quotes, how many of you love looking at Bible quotes? How many of you put that, post that in Facebook? Or your messenger? We love that. And we say it's nice, right? We say it's nice. But how many of you believe it's fulfillment? See, sometimes when we come to church and we hear this preaching, this kind of preaching, right? What do you say after? You say, uh, Pastor, nice preaching. Or my, my son, my daughter will come, Dad, you did nice preaching. But do we really believe that God's word that you heard will be fulfilled? In other words, do we believe in God's word enough to apply it in our own lives? 
Do we really believe it enough? Let's say, God, whatever you're saying, the 5,000 plus promises in your word, I believe. Because it's really nice, right? How many of us believe that? Jesus himself said this in Matthew. He said, For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass one jot or one tittle, shall in no wise pass from the law, till all be what? Fulfilled. Think about that. Every spoken word that God put in the Bible will all be fulfilled. I believe that even before Simeon saw the fulfillment of God's promise, he already was sure of it. I believe that he already saw the salvation right away, even before seeing Jesus right before his arms. And you know what it's called? It's called faith. Everybody say faith. Faith. Hebrews 11 says, faith means being sure of the things we hope for and knowing that something that we do not see is real, the conviction and assurance are the evidence about things that is not seen. It's being sure of what we hope for. Now, there's a big difference between dreaming and hoping. Okay? Dreaming is a fantasy, right? You know, I, I, I used to daydream a lot when I was young. I would picture myself, you know, driving a Ferrari up the highway, kind of like that. That was like a dream, and it's still a dream. But hoping is something else. Hoping is something that you know that it can happen. That you know that there is a possibility it will happen. And faith is being sure of what we hope for. And do you know what faith does? Do you know what faith does to all of us? And do you know what faith did to Simeon? He said, for my eyes have seen your salvation. It makes you physically experience God's promise. Simeon saw through the eyes of faith and actually received a tangible Jesus Christ in his arms. He saw it. The eyes of faith. He saw Jesus right before his eyes and says, yes, this is it. This is the one. But here's the thing. Jesus was still 40 days old. An infant who cannot still save the world. It's amazing, huh? Jesus was still an infant. He's not yet ready to save, but Simeon already saw the salvation. And here's the tension for all of us. Sometimes when we look at God's promises in infancy form, we tend to, you know, when we look at a, a, a promise that God gave us and, you know, it's a small, itsy-bitsy, teeny thing, there's no bearing at all, we tend to doubt how many of you kind of felt that, you know, or is it just me? All of us. Somehow, when you hear God's word, 
Remember this, remember this scripture that says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to what? Not to harm you, but to give you hope in the future. And you're saying, God, <laughs> it's not yet happening. You know what? Just because God's promises in your life is not yet happening, it does not mean it will not be fulfilled. It takes the eyes of faith to see this. When you're not seeing it, you need to cry out to God, God, make me see with the eyes of faith. Make me see that your promises are real and true. How many of you have been actually in a place of, God, I don't know if this is really for me. God, I don't know if your word is really the truth. We need to run to God and ask God, God, I need faith to see this. Because the reality is when you are faced with so many trials in life, when you are challenged with many troubles in life, the truth is your faith, it can weigh down. It could go down. And we could doubt God. And we could doubt His Word. That's why it takes an eye of faith to see beyond the small beginnings of God's promise. Takes an eye of faith to see beyond the small beginnings. When God promises, He fulfills it. Let's look at the other verses. In verse 13, 31 again, He says, For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. Another lesson we can gather from Simeon's song is this. What God promises is for the salvation of all people. While it is true that Jesus Christ, we all know Jesus, right? The Messiah came from the lineage of David, came from Israel. While that is true, this, this promise of a Messiah coming okay, came from Israel. This promise was not just for the nation of Israel. If it were so, if the promise of God was only for Israel, then it will be too small. Can you imagine? Jesus Christ, the Messiah, died on the cross for Israel only. It would really be too small. God has a bigger plan, and it's about the world. Amen? Amen. You all remember Abraham, right? God made a covenant. He says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be what? A blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And this is what God said to Abraham. He says, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. What God promises is for the salvation of all nations, of all peoples. Remember John 3, 16? For God so loved the world. He didn't say, for God so loved just Israel. He loves Israel. Chosen, right? But He loved the world. That He was willing to give His only Son. That whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. Let's look at the verses again. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared. Everybody say prepared. In the presence of all peoples. Okay? Now, I like this verse. Why? Because God's promised salvation was already 
prepared. Do you realize that, that God has prepared everything in time? God is Alpha, He is Omega, right? He is the beginning and He is the end. He knows exactly what sin can do with humanity. That even before time, He says, I'm going to prepare their salvation. And when you think about that, it secures you that God already has a plan for all of us. It's a done deal. It's not something that you'll be insecure of. God, what will happen? No, it's a done deal. God's promise, it's a done deal. In other words, God prepared salvation for all men. Amen. Can you give God praise for that? Thirdly, third lesson we could learn from this song is this. What God promises brings light to all men. Again, in our verses, it says, For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light, what? For revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. The world stands today in darkness. How many of you know that? The world stands in darkness. Even at the time of Simeon, when he received this promise, it was total darkness. You need to understand that, that during Simeon's time, this was like between Old Testament and New Testament. You all remember Malachi. How many of you were here in our Malachi series, right? Malachi was the last word given to the nation of Israel and God remained silent for 400 years. It was so dark. And finally, the light of revelation comes to the Gentiles. The promise of God is not just for salvation, but it is to give light of revelation against the dark forces of this world. How many of you love the salvation part? But did you know that that's not the only thing? God gave us a light of revelation. It's amazing. Paul says, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from what? Seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Do you realize that people who walk in darkness are blind people? Have you ever walked in darkness? Right? You can't see a thing. You're blinded. In fact, Satan uses the very Christmas that we have today to blind people from the truth. It's amazing how the world has packaged Christmas. You know, we were in, in Bangkok, Thailand a few years ago during Christmas Day. And we had to do our Noche Buena in McDonald's. Really. And all the people were watching us, my family, exchanging gifts. And we finally realized that in Thailand, they don't understand Christmas the way we do. In fact, their malls, they have the Christmas decorations. If you go to Thailand, how many of you have been to Thailand? 
You've seen the Christmas decors, right? It's there in the malls. But it's about commercialism. You see, Satan has a way of blinding even the believers. That's all true. There was a, there was a time that I was walking in SM Aura, and I, I, I happened to, I'm sorry, it's not my fault, but I happened to eavesdrop. <laughs> I heard them talking, and they were saying, there was a conversation like this. Sabi nila, pare, alam mo, ang hirap ng ano ngayon, no? ng panahon ngayon. Hindi ko maramdaman Christmas. Ever heard of that? My, my, my good friend from Singapore says, you know, he, he messaged me, sabi niya, pare, miss ko na Christmas dyan. Hindi ko ramdam dito. And you see, many people think that Christmas is about shopping, although kasama shopping, di ba? It's about the gifts, it's about the vacations, the travel, that's great, but that's not Christmas. You know, Satan, the enemy, has always blinded us. In fact, to a point that sometimes when we don't get what we want in Christmas, what happens? We tend to doubt God, isn't it? And that's how Satan has been blinding us. In fact, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts so they can not, neither see with their eyes nor understand with their hearts nor turn and I would heal them. But here's the good news. Christmas is about Jesus coming to open the eyes of the blind. Jesus himself said this, that the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom from the prisoners and the recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Isn't that amazing? When you follow Jesus Christ with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength today, he not only forgives you, He not only saves you from eternal death, but He gives you a light of revelation. And that's a good thing about Christ. And understand this, when Simeon was experiencing all this, the Bible says the Holy Spirit was upon Him who guides us in all truth. So the question is, what is the, really the significance of of this song. This is something that we should not miss. It's really amazing. The significance about the song of Simeon is this. We are now living in an era or time where God's promise was fulfilled, it's being fulfilled, and it will be fulfilled. We are standing today on God's promise. Are you here this evening? We are standing not in the time of the Old Testament. We are now living in the, in the New Testament. Are you seeing it? We are in an era, in a time 
where it's no longer dark. Why? Because the gospel is already here. The gospel is real. You can actually taste it. You can actually touch it. And you can actually have it. All you need to do is receive it. As I am tonight, Christmas is God's promise already fulfilled. We're living it today. But our story does not end here. Okay? Luke talks about Simeon. After, after that song, Simeon blessed Joseph, Mary, and Jesus. And this is what Simeon said. He said that this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Referring to the death of Jesus. He's talking to Mary. But the promise of God in the person of Jesus, the Bible says, will cause the rise and fall of many. You see, the gospel message can be offensive to those who have no room for Jesus Christ in their lives. That's why they reject it. But the gospel message can also be a joy that you can receive with a thankful heart. Question is this. What should be the response? What should be our response today? Luke does not end our story in the temple with Simeon. Okay, if you read through the, through the Gospel of Luke, he does not end with Simeon, but he ends this story with another person by the name of Anna. He ends the story with the prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel. She was advanced in years. She lived with her husband for seven years, and then she was widowed until she was 84 years old. She did not, the Bible says, she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. So while Simeon spoke the song, there was one more person who was also waiting for the promise of God. Her name was Anna. And the Bible says she never stopped worshiping, fasting, praying day and night. In other words, she never compromised her walk with God. Even while she was waiting for the promise to come, she still loved God and served God. And this is what happened to her in verse 38. And coming up at the very hour, she began to what? To give thanks to God and to speak of Him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jesus. Our response in life should be one that is of gratefulness and thankfulness. Amen? You know why? Because not all of us will celebrate Christmas merry. That's the truth. Some of us will celebrate tonight in a different situation or circumstance. There are some people who have lost their loved ones during Christmas. Some are in floods. 
some are actually hurting in their situation. But our response is to be like the prophetess Anna, still rejoicing in the Lord and being thankful to God. Why? Because our Savior is born. He's here. It is the promise fulfilled. We need to be thankful wherever, whatever situation that we're in this Christmas. Are you still here tonight? Doesn't really matter if we have money or not. Don't have the gifts. That's okay. We don't have the traveling, no shopping. That's okay. Because that's not the message of Christmas. The message of Christmas is that God fulfilled His promise to our Lord Jesus Christ. That all will be saved. That all will have this light of revelation. That's the message of Christmas. Your response is to speak of Him. Are you here? Our response is to share the gospel. When we go home tonight, when you go to your families, when we, when we receive the Noche Buena tonight, our response is to be thankful and we share the gospel. We speak about Jesus Christ. Amen.